this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and this week we are going to cover an overview of Historic Alchemy Baldur's Gate, which is a really elegant set name to fit a really elegant set. This set introduces uh, the specialize and double team mechanics, as well as maybe others, I don't know. Those two steal the show if there are others, and uh, they're both... Uh, priced to move in limited. Almost every card that has either specialize or double team is very good. Specialize is just like a lot of words. If you don't have time to read them all, you can pretty safely just take the card that has it, and uh, it's going to going to be very powerful for the uh, in with very few exceptions. In addition to specialize, well, the fact that specialize is so good means that a lot of the creatures are really good, and specialize the way that it works for people who aren't familiar is uh you spend some amount of mana at sorcery speed and you discard a card and then depending on the color or basic land type of the card that you discarded you can turn the creature into one of five different upgraded versions of itself this means that when you attempt to specialize your opponent has a really good window to kill your creature to mean that you have lost the creature and the other card that you discarded, and you don't get anything to show for it. So instant speed removal that can uh, stop your opponent when they attempt to specialize uh, is very strong. This obviously means when you're thinking about specializing your creature, you want to pay attention to how likely it is that your opponent can kill the creature in response. Because specialize is very good and relatively vulnerable to removal as far as like mechanics, like the power level is all in a place that is very removal vulnerable. It's very like feast or famine in terms of like, it's great if they don't have it and really bad if they do have it. In addition to that, there are just a lot of really strong creatures that uh, you really need to have an answer for that don't have specialized. Uh, this is a Dungeons and Dragons themed set without the dungeons, but certainly with the dragons, there is a cycle of mythic rare dragons that cost six plus mana that uh, do ridiculous things involving rolling a d20 when they hit the opponent, as well as just some other dragons and other giant creatures that you really need to be able to kill. So this is a format where removal, famously important in limited, is particularly important and strong. Fortunately, the really good creatures don't reliably run away with the game because there is a lot of strong removal. This means that as a player, you want to prioritize having removal in your deck so that you can answer these really important powerful creatures. Anyone who's been playing the set a bit also knows that. This means that most of the removal will find its way into decks and the games will involve a lot of creatures getting killed. So the next level there is that creatures that are good against removal are good. So that means cheap creatures, especially cheap creatures that have some kind of extra value and enters the battlefield ability or an adventure ability. If you happen to have, say, a one mana adventure ability that essentially counters your removal spell, that might make you the best common in the set, hypothetically, like if you were a blessed typograph or something. Also, uh, so double team is an ability that exists on creatures, and when you attack with them, you create a copy of that creature in your hand, but then you remove the double team ability from both permanently. And this is also priced to move. The creatures that have double team 
don't cost very much additional mana or lose very much in terms of size to get the double team wards on them. And when so double team is a source of card advantage that requires that you can attack safely with the creature. If you, you know, chump attack, if you attack and your opponent blocks and your creature dies and you put another copy of it in your hand, which I've had an opponent do to me, you didn't really get anywhere. In fact, all you've done is removed the word double team from your creature. But if your opponent can't kill your creature when you attacked, then now you have two copies of this creature and you've generated some card advantage. The existence and power of double team means that battlefield presence is really important in this format, which is one of the two reasons that it's important to have cheap creatures. One of the two reasons that cheap, cheap creatures are good. Double team is the primary reason that they're important, and the ponderance of removal is the other reason that they're good. Uh, if your opponent's going to be spending mana to trade their cards with your cards, you'd rather they do that at a worse rate, so you'd rather your cards just are cheaper. But I think that uh, double team, because... So specialize exists only at, I believe, uncommon, rare, and mythic, whereas double team exists most frequently at common. So that means that even though specialized, the individual cards are really, really impactful. Um, double team, even though it's only in red and white, ends up kind of being disproportionately format defining because it's has a high as fan, which is to say you see a lot of it per pack because it exists frequently on commons. And red and white are strong in the set because double team is so strong. And that means that uh, more of the red and white cards get played. Whereas for example, blue, which struggles very badly in this set, it's much more likely that most or all of, well, not all, but a vast majority of the blue cards opened are going to end up in sideboards rather than in people's decks. Whereas a majority of red and white cards opened are going to end up in people's decks. So you're gonna play against red and white a lot. You're gonna play against double team a lot most cards with double team are going to end up being played in people's decks. So you're going to interact with this mechanic disproportionately for how many cards have it, especially because so many of them are, which means that uh, it has the ability to have a relatively defining impact on the gameplay in the format. So the effect of that is that uh, battlefield presence is really important. If you're ahead on board, you have a double team creature, you attack, you pull further ahead. If you're behind and you have a double team creature, you can't attack and you don't pull further ahead and your creature is just bad. This would happen if your opponent's creatures are uh, too much, are larger than yours, such that attacking would be a chump attack, or if you're so far behind that you can't afford to attack with your creature because you need to block with it. So double team being an attacking mechanic favors the aggressor, but even if you're not the aggressor, you want to prioritize having bodies on the battlefield that will make it so that your opponent doesn't have good attacks with their double team creatures, which means that you want just like early creatures that engage in combat well and or cheap removal because, you know, if you spend one or two mana on a removal spell to kill a double team creature, then you have not fallen behind. You, your opponent played a strong card, you used a strong card, you move on with your life. This means that you want to prioritize having a relatively low curve no matter what you're doing. And it also means that taking time off to like draw cards or fix your mana, do anything that doesn't contribute to the battlefield 
is uh, not good. This means that like uh, one of the things that I was doing early in the set that I do not recommend is playing the three mana green sorcery that chooses a gate to put onto the battlefield. The set is constructed in such a way that you can do that and then use that extra land to cast like dragons and other adventure creatures. But if you build your deck to do that, you will not be good at stopping your opponent from killing you with uh, double team creatures. And your opponent's deck that has double team creatures will likely have efficient removal spells for the things that you're ramping into. And so the fact that you've played additional mana sources while falling behind on the board means that the creature that you're trying to use to stabilize will likely get killed and you will lose the game. It's much better to be the person who is playing the cheap creatures, playing things to kill your opponent's blockers, and killing your opponent. So that's uh, kind of my overview of just like broadly what matters in the format. As far as how that plays out in archetypes, the best performing color combinations, and this is according to 17 lands, not my personal experience or like theoretical evaluation of the format. Uh, this is just representing data. The best performing combinations are uh, red-white, barely ahead of white-black, appreciably ahead of green-white and red-black, which are very comparable. Uh, those are ahead of black-green. And then red-green and all the blue decks are bad. Uh, I think that you should actively try to avoid playing red-green specifically or any deck that has blue in it. And you should focus on white followed by, like, any of the other colors are fine, but given that red, white, and white, black uh, are the best performing, good to be there if you can. Um, but I, I don't think it's at all bad to be green, white, or red, black. Black, green's fine. Not much more to say about that. Oh, if if somehow you have the ability to be mono white, for some reason the other players in the draft are not trying to be white if possible, for example, uh, mono white has... Um, very 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 good record uh, and that makes sense to me if you get the white cards you have all the things that you would want in the format the cards play well together sometimes white could struggle with like uh not having good removal or something but humiliation is so strong that it just does everything that you need to go a little bit more into blue blue's best performing common is young blue dragon which is the five mana three three flyer it has an adventure for one and a blue where you can like scry one and draw a card. That card looks kind of strong, but not amazing. It feels like it's the power level that like adventures should have been when Eldraine was made. Like two mana to like draw a card is a bit below rate. Five mana, three, three flyers a bit below rate. If you combine the two of them, you get something that feels pretty good. Like if you just think of it as a five mana three, three uh, that like draws a card, that would be a good card. But like the two extra mana that you have to pay somewhere, it matters, uh, especially in this format where taking time off is so bad. And a five mana three, three flyer just doesn't line up very well against anything. It's a little too slow, a little too small. And that's as good as it gets. The second best performing is like Air Cult Elemental, which is wasn't even particularly good in AFR, and the set in general is quite a bit stronger than AFR. Things are really, really dismal for blue. 
Uh, it's just everything that it is doing is not what you want to be doing. The counter spells feel good when they do something because there are a lot of, like, for the same reason that removal is good, there are things that you really need to counter. The problem is that uh, everything that I was saying about the importance of board presence as it relates to lining up against double team means that if you don't have the mana at the right spot, and then you're stuck in a spot where your opponent has a double team creature and you're just like leaving up mana, it's really, really, really easy to just like lose that game. So you're really handicapping yourself because your cards are relatively weak and they have to like line up right to function. Yeah, just avoid it. Like if this is in a spot that's it's the same situation was true in AFR where even if you have like one of the best blue bombs, you're kind of better off planning to splash it with treasures than planning to actually draft blue. And I think the same thing is true in this set. You know, maybe you'll find some spots where everyone else understands that and literally no one at the table is taking blue and then you end up with like a fine blue deck. But like there isn't a deck that you can make. Like if you just said, okay, we're going to sit down to draft and everyone's just going to open their packs and give me all the blue commons. If you don't have good uncommons and rares, I don't think your deck's any good. So be very careful about drafting blue. Okay, pretty simple then. Uh, you're looking to draft Mardu, I think, though green's stats aren't horrible. I think, you know, green has a place. I think that, like, Mike and it is very good, and that's the uh, three mana one two that makes a one one when it enters the battlefield or dies and taps for mana of any color. And then, uh, like, Owlbear is good because it's kind of like bigger than everything because everyone wants to play small card, small creatures, and it lines up reasonably against removal because you draw a card when you play it. Lenorm does very well and is good. That's the uh, seven mana, seven six that's hard to block and has the adventure that puts counters on something and untaps it and gives it hexproof. Both of those cards individually are reasonable. So the total effect of the card ends up being pretty strong. It gives you like you can it's an expensive card in your deck that's like a functional card before you have a ton of mana to help you like use the ramp stuff but i personally would prefer to be in the mardu space when possible and i don't have a strong preference about where in the mardu space i end up so to sum up take the powerful bombs they even if they're like expensive and they would be bad if your opponent has a removal spell or whatever the like powerful cards in this set are kind of like off the regular power band for limited um this does include most of the specialized creatures and a bunch of other random just like super super strong rares you should just take them and play them and your opponent hope your opponent doesn't have removal or just have enough of them that you run your opponent out of removal and then following that you want to make sure that you have removal and uh, cheap value creatures and keep your curve low and prioritize like double team and enter the battlefield effects where you can. That's it, honestly. I think that I started out drafting the format without really studying it and tried to do some of the slower stuff and had pretty mediocre results and then kind of I don't know, thought about stuff and looked at a little bit of data and started approaching the format uh, the way that I described and have been very, very successful since then. This feels to me like a uh, format that has kind of a 
simple puzzle with a correct answer. And that's it. There you have it. Uh, so any, any questions about any of that? I suppose while I'm giving uh, Twitch chat a chance to ask anything that uh, they have about experiences, cards, or anything I've said here, uh, I will take a moment to plug the uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. The Patreon for the podcast had been paused uh, for the last month while I was on hiatus. We are back to recording weekly. I'm going to be putting polls on the Patreon about whether uh, the audience would prefer that I focus on historic Alchemy Baldur's Gate or Double Masters before we have the next set. So if you want to be heard there, head over to patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes and throw in a bit, chip in a bit to support the program. And uh, yeah, let's get to these questions. What do I think about the digital specific mechanics? I have generally enjoyed most of the experiences that I've had in Arena with a lot of the digital specific mechanics. I think, for example, Seek plays pretty well. I think that Specialize is a bit of a bridge too far from a design perspective. I, I think that like, Digital gives you the space to make cards infinitely complex, like beyond what you can realistically even try to get away with in paper. And I think that some of Wizards' exploration in digital into digital space has been to explore that greater complexity that digital offers. And I don't think that that is the best way to approach game design for a digital game. I think that elegance still matters and that the barrier to entry to grokkability of your set suffers a lot from a mechanic like Specialize. I think that if you are committed to playing with these cards, that you can learn what they do and get used to it to the point where you don't feel like you have to like read several novels to play the game. But I don't know that the right portion of players are invested in getting over that barrier to uh, make it make sense from a product standpoint to include those mechanics. So I, I think that like the existence of Specialize was not a good decision, though uh, it's hard to really fault, you know, taking a random opportunity to try pushing the envelope in one direction or another. I wouldn't encourage future mechanics to engage in that level of complexity. But uh, as far as my experience with it as a player, after getting over the initial hurdle, I don't find it particularly... Uh, unpleasant to play with in terms of like I think that the actual gameplay once everyone knows what's going on is fine I don't know that it's like particularly enhanced but it's not meaningfully hurt by uh, this mechanic um, in my uh, opinion and experience as far as like boons and perpetually and stuff like that I think they're trivial like I don't think that they meaningfully change my experience with the game there are some cards that are sneakily powerful, or do most good cards read as such? Uh, so, I mean, as long as you understand that the specialized stuff is pushed, like, specialized can be very hard to grok, uh, just because, like, 
there's both trying to figure out how expensive it is to discard a card and uh, how likely you are to get blown out when you go for it, but also just like literally processing the enormous number of words in understanding what all your options are and stuff like that. It's not easy to glance at a specialized card and know if it's good. So once you have the general structure, specialized cards are probably strong and double team cards are probably strong. I think for the most part, cards are similar-ish to how they read. Again, as long as you're interpreting things through a lens of understanding uh, the incentives in the format more generally, like knowing that early battlefield presence is important and that um, there is a reasonable amount of hard removal such that like expensive creatures are not particularly likely to dominate a game. Of course, it's hard for me to say for everybody how easy or hard it will be to parse the power level of a card, because of course that's the kind of thing that any player builds with experience, um, and some people are going to have an easier time with that than others. I suppose what I'm saying is like relative to other sets, if you have kind of that basic framework, I think things fall into place as easily as they would in general. I think for me, what I'm saying is because I think the uh, like general narrative of what matters in games in this format is relatively consistent, that to me makes it relatively easy to evaluate cards uh, because you don't have to evaluate them in a lot of different hypothetical contexts. You can imagine that there's one relatively consistent context in which you're evaluating. Next up, you mentioned mono white. Would there be any other monocolored decks that would be reasonable assuming the color is very, very open? Yes, I think that mono red and mono black uh, make total sense to me, especially mono black. Mono green, I would worry a little bit about your early game, and mono blue, I think your deck would be wildly unplayable. But mono red, uh, you know, you, you have like a reasonable curve, you have removal, you have cheap removal, you have like relatively hard removal in the form of like the fireball, and dragon's fire can scale up if you have some dragons, and like you have, you know, playable cheap creatures, playable expensive creatures. Like you, you have everything you need for a deck in red. In black, you have everything you need for a deck, but you also have a lot of good explicit synergies. Next up, do you think we'll see a rebalancing of this set for limited since it's digital only, or does changing cards for limited pose too many problems for the playability of those cards for constructed? I do not think that we will see a rebalancing of this set for limited. I don't. I think that Wizard still believes that limited uh, is inherently self-correcting and that the purpose of rebalancing cards to them is for constructed. And I don't think that a rebalancing would be expected to reinvigorate the player base's interest in the format such that it would make sense for them to put effort into doing. So I, I can't know anything more about their plans than other people do. I don't have any special insights at this point, but uh, from a business standpoint, as far as like what I understand about their goals and their incentives, uh, rebalancing this set for limited wouldn't be something that I would expect would be worth it for them. All right, short and sweet. I'm happy to call it there. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And that's going to be it for this week. Again, uh, 
I'll be putting up a poll to assess uh, my audience's interest in Baldur's Gate versus uh, Double Masters, and the results of that poll will inform where the podcast is going. This isn't going to be a vote so much as a poll, which is to say that like, if the poll is close, then I'm likely to try to talk a little bit more about both, whereas if it's very lopsided then I'll probably just talk about the one. But it's not, uh, the poll is to inform my decision-making rather than to uh, make a decision strictly by itself. Keep an eye out for that. Be sure to give feedback there since, you know, that will inform a number of episodes going forward. Thanks again for listening. Have a good week. And I'll be back next week.